Welcome to SME Funding. My name is Lynette Sinduli, the Chief Executive Officer of Innate Investment Solutions. And as usual, we're here to demystify the often confusing and rather complex world of funding for you, the viewer at home. My partner in crime, Kumaran Padachi, how are you? Well, Lynette. Okay, great to have you on another show. And of course, today we have a guest in studio, Ronan Ayres. Thank you, Ronan, for joining us. Ronan, ladies and gentlemen at home, is from Student Village, a brand that many of us have interacted with across the campuses of South Africa as they create platforms for engagement and interaction, as well as the recruitment of university students for corporates in South Africa. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Lynette. Well, now, Ronan, Student Village, um, students particularly experience it on one end as a platform where they interact with information, access to opportunities, and of course, the programs that you run. But corporate South Africa, and I suppose your clients ultimately, interacts with Student Village slightly differently. Give us a bit of a background about what the Student Village platform is about, where it comes from, and ultimately where it's going. Great. Thanks so much. So we started Student Village just over 15 years ago, and really I wanted to be my own boss. I was sick and tired of working for someone. I was in a corporate, I was working for a bank, and I decided that I needed to move towards owning my own business. I'd, I'd had a lifelong internship in a family business, and I knew I had it in my blood. So we loved, my partner and I, we loved being students, and we really loved that time, and we knew that in 2001, before Facebook, Twitter, and Google, that there wasn't anything out there to connect students and to give them the right kind of content, job information, and bring them lots of fun. So really, we saw that as a business opportunity, and we wanted to be the bridge between corporate South Africa to interact with students, and then when students graduate, we wanted to provide them with huge amount of opportunities. This is a business run that, as you say, started from a passion, not only to be an entrepreneur, but also from seeing a very specific gap in a student market that, and in a time, I suppose, that you'd enjoyed in your own life. Funding. How do you fund a business premised on getting students activity, people who generally don't have a lot of money to spend with you in the first place? And where did that journey begin? Firstly, I think it starts with insanity. I think most people thought we were leaving our jobs in in the corporate environment, we used to dress like this. I haven't dressed like that since there on my wedding. And really what they were, people thought you're absolutely mad for leaving your safe environment and to go into something that A, didn't exist, B, is a services business. And as you've covered before in previous shows, that a service business is so hard to, to raise capital for. And it was the end of season one of the dot-com era. Mm -hmm. So. People thought, how on earth could, could we invest? And we thought the best way to start off was as a website. And now um, investors, venture capital, um, banks, anywhere where we'd go to ask for funding, or even private investors, when they looked at us and they said, you guys are nice guys. We'd really love to have dinner with you, but we're not investing in you, no ways. And so what we did in the end, we, we really believed in the idea and we took our really, really tiny pensions that we got when we left our, our jobs and we went to our family and we said, will you help us? And I remember we, we worked out of my, my partner's bedroom and it was two of us and then two others joined and we had one line 
and that was for one email box, for the fax, for a phone line, and we couldn't do more than one thing at once. And I remember for six months, my friend's father paid the phone bill, the electricity bill. Um, I took my dad shopping to Macro for stationery, and we did all of those. And we actually had to get a lot of family love um, for the first, I'd say, six to eight months. Awesome. So I know Kumaran will always love to ask the question around funding, self-funded businesses in the services sector. Um, there's a lot of complexities in terms of then building up scale um, and scale that then helps an investor see the potential of this particular business. How did you build up towards a point where now the investors who'd initially turned a blind eye to what you were doing and didn't quite understand what you were trying to achieve? How did you now build the business around and turn it around to, to a state where it was investor ready? So I still joke, we had this one funder, who was a, an individual funder, and he turned around to us and he said, this thing will not work. Scientifically, you don't have a case. It's, it's not going to even take off. And what we did is we lived, I remember it, it, it went through periods. We, we lived week by week, actually day by day, week by week, and then month to month, mm -hmm. and then we had two months, and we built to three months, and then I would say after about two years, we, we cracked our first, our first deal that was significant for us. It was one and a half million rand. And I remember it was like an eight-month negotiation with this client. And this deal really would provide the scale that we needed. We went and we sold up a storm. We told them we could do a whole bunch of things that we'd never done before, but we knew we could do it. And, and literally, it took eight months to set up and when they finally gave us the go, there were three days to go to launch, and we didn't have the money. So the only thing that I thought we'd do then was to actually go, and I sat, it was a corporate, and I sat at the corporate the whole day, and I said, I'm here the whole day, and I'm not leaving until I have a check. In those days, there was still, you'd get a check. Um, and I'd already arranged with my bank that once I get this check, I'm coming straight over, we're going to organize special clearance, and then, and then we're going to go. But I literally sat there the whole day until I had it in my hand. And if you come visit me at my offices today, I'll give you, I scanned it in color to show you this was, <laughs> this was about 12 years ago uh -huh. that I still have this check. Yeah. Um, you're telling us about the trials and tribulations uh, through your journey each time you needed the different funding and how you got yourself out of the jam. But uh, why didn't you put some kind of uh, permanent facility in place, let's say like an, an overdraft or debtors financing or something like that? You know, there, there was something in my childhood that I saw in our family business around cash flow. And um, they were in an import business and I, I always used to see how they'd import stock and cash flow was an issue and they always stuck with the same bank and they had their overdraft facility. And we took a similar approach. We didn't have stock, but we mm. certainly, we, we started with, when we opened our business, we started with one bank and we're still with them today. And I used to go to them as we grew and said, please, can we have an overdraft facility? And the resounding answer was, okay, show us what assets you have. And as you know, in a services business, your assets are your people and they're not in the fixed assets register. Mm -hmm. So we, we'd get turned down um, 
every time. So we actually had to change our policy of invoicing um, to, to get upfront payments for a lot of our, our bigger jobs. Um, and so that's, that's an important thing that, you know, uh, people only think to go and get the funding from the bank, but there is an element of, of, uh, of solution within your policies and procedures, right? Absolutely. They, what I find is, is if I had to look back to 15 years in our own business, the times when we, when we were our most creative, mm. that we came up with the best solutions is really when our backs were against the wall. In the dark times, that's when your creativity is the best. When you, sometimes when you're facing the barrel of defeat, that's when the gold comes out and that's when the, your, your true value is, is created. Um, also, that, that's potentially why I'm grey and don't have much hair left. But really, to, to look at it in, in terms of, of the financing side, what, what we learned is, is how to lean on our customers, how to lean on our creditors, and we, we even learned at some stage you can actually go to SARS and ask them for terms. We, we didn't even know that was possible. We, you know, we had learned how to speak to our landlord, how to speak to all different kinds of people for, for facilities. But uh, the, the one thing, though, is with the bank that still to this day, 15 years later, we, we still, um, I've stopped asking them and I made another plan. But I could get from the same bank, I could get more facility from my, from my personal credit card mm. than I could get through the business. And through the business, I had to secure it and give surety or a bank guarantee. And in my personal capacity, I could, I could get this huge limit unsecured. And that's why it, there's, it just doesn't make sense as an SME. Mm. All right, well, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about finding solutions in the dark, literally, as many SME owners will know when it comes to funding in their businesses. We'll be right back. Welcome back to SME Funding. So before the break, we were talking to Ronan about how he's built Student Village and more importantly, how he's begun to find solutions and the very challenges that he's faced with in his business. Ronan, this business is now 15 years old. And would, how much would you say safely you have now invested as well as had to raise from a funding perspective to get it to its size and its reach now? So I would say a lot of... Um being the services business, a lot of our growth has been through our clients. So mm -hmm. as our, our clients spend more with us, that, that our business has grown. We've also done business outside of South Africa, and that's, that's been a, an interesting journey too from a cash flow perspective. Um, we were even going to, to open up offices in Dubai um, a number of years ago, then, then Dubai imploded, and we had to close that in a hurry. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we would have lost South Africa. So those, those were interesting challenges. And on the local side, we, we did an interesting thing after, I would say, after the previous financial crisis, where we actually, we, in the space of three months, our business halved because of our corporate clients that were, were facing problems, mm. that we, we actually sold a portion of the business to a listed company. And part of that deal was, um, the one part was, was to realize some of the effort over the, the 11 years prior to that. 
and two was to put in a fixed working capital facility that we didn't have to have that same burden um, that we were facing um, relative to others. But Ronen, that's expensive now, right? I mean, you, you're needing working capital and yet you bring uh, sacrifice equity to sort a working capital issue out. Yeah, so, so when we were doing the deal, the deal wasn't driven by working capital. Mm. So it wasn't we're going to sell because we need the working capital. It's, we had other reasons why we wanted to sell. And as part of the deal, we said we need working capital as a facility. We, the interesting thing is we don't actually use use much of it now, but we mm. have that facility. And, and I realized that, you know, think of it, you know where they get that, that term, a thorn in your side. Mm. So you can, you can have the most amazing day. You can sign big contracts. You can, you can there, there can be five things that go absolutely brilliant to you, for you. But then you realize you actually have no money in the bank and you don't know how to do what you need to do and mm. fulfill on your promises. You don't know how to keep your staff excited and keep a great culture and to pay the bills because you have this nagging issue that you actually don't know how you're going to pay for it. Mm. And these are the things that I found for me as an entrepreneur gave me an immense amount of stress that, that, that I didn't want in my life. It was negative stress for me. And for me, while I was doing that deal, it was really important for me to set up a facility that I could focus on the business of doing business because there's plenty mm. of stress there. Mm. Mm. Now, I understand, you know, service business, like when you went to the bank, you asked for an overdraft, you had no fixed assets to show. I understand from our prep beforehand that you had uh, inadvertently sorted that out now, right? Uh, tell us about that. Around the... The, the property. The yes. Property. So, the one thing that I always wanted was to own our own property. We had... We had zero assets, and um, the, the office that we were in, we were in for, for probably eight years. I think we had paid off the bond for the previous landlord, and it was dysfunctional. And I really dreamed of having our space that really felt like a village, and it was really cool. And we found this beautiful building that the one floor was let to other tenants, and the one floor was empty, and a and a property fund was trying to rent it. And it was really beautiful. And it's highway facing, it's in the right area, it's perfect. And for some reason, for six months, I hadn't been able to let it. And I, I managed, and, and as an entrepreneur, sometimes you have a bit of luck. And I managed to persuade them, can we take it off your hands? Because they had inherited it as part of a purchase of a larger portfolio. And the stars were aligned, and we managed to take it off them at their cost, which, which to my view, was, was way below its value. Now, you bought it within the operating company. Yes. Now normally, my preference is you buy it separately in a property company. You bought it in an operating company, but in this instance, there was an advantage to doing that, right? Yeah, and, and there's an advantage in a, in a personal capacity. Mm -hmm. One is we had a shareholder that was willing to put the money down. For the deposit. For the whole thing. For the whole thing. Wow. So we walked in. Part of the reason why we got the deal is we, we cut the check. So here's the money. Mm. And then we had a separate finance deal with them at a, at a really good rate. And um, so we got a really underpriced 
um, asset. asset that we now actually have an asset on mm. our books. Mm. And, and we have tenants, we've got annuity income in a services business that, that has short-term contracts. So it really has been... So now the banker asks you and you can say, yeah, we've got this building, I'm owing X on it, but this is the value and this is the fat middle of uh, equity. Yeah. And so it serves as a prop for the underlying uh, uh, lack of uh, assets in a service business, right? Yeah. Mm. And don't forget, as the entrepreneur, if you think about it, that... that Myself, who's a shareholder in the business, I, I got equity in a building that, that I didn't pay for. Mm. So mm. that's why it was really um, advantageous for us to put it into the company, because I, I literally got a slice of something that I really wanted that I wouldn't have been able to get mm. otherwise. So, um, and along with that comes with other challenges now being a landlord. Yes. <laughs> and of course, managing tenants and managing their needs and requirements. So here you are moving from a services business and you're in a completely different business, which is in the property business. Well, when we come back from the break, we're going to speak about how else to build um, assets that you can begin to leverage for funding in a services-based business or rather in different markets where it's traditionally quite difficult to find funding for your business. We'll be right back. Welcome back to SME Funding. So before the break, I know, Kumarin, you had a question, and it takes us back to the debtors financing around Ronan's business. Yeah, Ronan, you know, earlier on I asked you about why didn't you consider overdraft or debtors financing. You answered us that overdraft, the bankers wanted fixed assets, services, businesses, you had none. But you avoided or we forgot to talk about debtors financing. Why? Tell, tell me, did you consider that? I was definitely avoiding you. <laughs> <laughs> so we looked at it at the time. And we only knew of one provider. And mm -hmm. it's very easy to sit at this stage and say, well, why didn't you consider? Because sure. um, at the time, you only see you're in, you're in the melting pot and you're under the pressure. And we saw, we saw one provider that offered debtors finance. And we, we had the feeling that it was expensive. Okay. It's not really. It's, uh, it's quite a good form of financing for businesses that are growing its sales that does not have the support of fixed assets to, for an overdraft. Because you see this debtor's book, which is an asset, right? Instead of, I don't have a building, but I have a debtor's book, you can use the debtor's book. So I think that's a missed opportunity or something for other services business to look at. Tell us just very, very quickly, given this trials and tribulations you've told us now in your, in your journey about the funding, uh, what would you suggest strongly for similar services businesses such as yourself with regards to funding? I would say two things. I would say one is check out all your options that are available in the market at a stage where you don't need them. Ah, Just so you don't okay. have to choose under pressure that you actually lose your objectivity. Mm. And two is to surround yourself with other entrepreneurs because I think we we find that we, we're so unique in our problems and there are societies and groups and other entrepreneurs you can hang around with that can really help you navigate these kind of troubled times. All right. So I guess there is a great amount of truth in that you can grow net worth through your network. Kumaran, please can you give us our tip of the week for, as we sign out? Yeah, it's a pleasure. You know, I'm, uh, listening to your journey through this episode, it's a prime example of the creativity within. Um, 
you've talked to us about the various challenges. You had your back against the corner so many times and you managed to box out of it. Partly whilst getting funding, but largely not through funding from any typical finance institution, right? You've gone to clients or you change your process, change your invoicing, negotiate with SARS, whatever it may be. That's not the normal, let me go to the bank type of scenario. Mm. So my tip is, uh, for any business and any entrepreneur is to first look at the creativity within. Mm, what you can use within your business. Well, thank you to Kumaran for his tip of the week. Certainly, sometimes the solutions are within. If you would like to interact with us on your funding challenges, as well as what you've found on your journey as you build your business, please follow this conversation at funding underscore SME on social media. But you are also welcome to email us on smefunding at bdtv.co.za. And who knows, if you are in the process of funding or have successfully raised funding, you too may find yourself on the couch with myself and Kumaran. Thank you very much to our guest today, Ronan Ayers of Student Village, for sharing his story, but more importantly, for sharing some of the solutions that he has found on his way to successfully building his business over the last 15 years. You can catch previous episodes of SME Funding on YouTube as well as on the Business Day TV website. Until next time, we look forward to you joining us on SME Funding.